0: Shall you, you yes.
1: Bahasa, Yuskiel, Linguajo, Sprong, Sprong, Rizmong, Haja, Linguajin, Hirs,
0: Ni, Hassa, Yizik, Lingua, Linguage, Language, Rules. Hello and welcome to Language Rules, episode number two A. Before the actual start of this episode, I want to explain a bit why it's 2a and not just 2. I got some feedback of several people that they found the first episode, which was on Mandarin, too long. I agree that 3 hours are quite a long time, but I didn't consider this much of a problem because I'm used to listening to podcast episodes, which are sometimes even longer. And I think it's not so much a question of length, because a short podcast can be pretty boring and a long one can be super interesting, or the other way around. I think it's one of the advantages that podcasts have compared to, for example, radio shows, that there is no time restriction. You are free to talk about a topic as long as you find it necessary or appropriate. However, now that I'm a podcaster myself, I'm also more aware of the drawbacks of having such overlong episodes. First of all, recording for several hours is quite exhausting for my guests and me. And the more material we produce, the more work I have to put into post-processing. And of course, I don't want to keep potential listeners from becoming actual listeners just because they are already discouraged by the length of an episode. So my plan for the second interview was to make everything better than the first time, among other things to keep it shorter. So I met my guest Johannes and we started to talk about Esperanto. And when we stopped, we found that three hours were gone just like that again. So what now? Of course, I could cut out a lot of stuff, but I don't want to because I think Johannes had a lot of interesting things to say. Or I could simply publish all three hours, just like last time. But I'm trying a different solution this time. I cut the recording in half and publish it as two separate episodes, 2a and 2b. In the first part, which you will hear now, my guest Johannes explains how he became and why he still is an Esperanto enthusiast. As you maybe know, Esperanto is a constructed language and we also talk about how it came into being and whether and how it is related to other languages. In the second part, which will be published about one to two weeks from now, we talk about what makes the grammar of Esperanto so special and what can be and generally is praised or criticized about it. But enough meta talk. Let's dive into Esperanto. My guest today is Johannes. Welcome, Johannes. Hello. Um, Yeah. And at the same time, I'm the guest of Johannes because we are sitting together in his little audio studio. Um, And I guess we will also talk a bit about why you have an Yeah, the studio, but uh, the actual reason why we sit here is that we want to talk about Esperanto. Um, But before we do that, um, I want to mention that uh, I think this day is like the perfect day for recording this episode, because it's the 22nd of February, so 2-2-2, and it's episode number two, so I mean, (laughs) it's like it's meant to be. and the second thing is that uh, yesterday was the International Mother Language Day, um, which was uh, yes, I heard about that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So the twenty-first of February, and um, it was uh, introduced by the UNESCO to promote linguistic and cultural diversity, which is totally the topic of this podcast. So, um, and I guess it will even more be a topic today as we talk about Esperanto. Um, and so I guess uh, even though it's a day too late, we can still celebrate it by recording this episode. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so uh, I suggest we start with um Johannes introducing himself a bit. And we uh, first want to hear a bit of Esperanto, so what it sounds like. So go ahead.
1: <laughs> yes Donkaumi uh core salutas tune as Kultanto and the TUG. Bonega uh, podcasto pri Lingvoi, kai mi uh, joyas esti lagasto and en la dua episodo. Kai uh, do Esperanto estas motflanka temo, kai uh, do mi esperas kenyi Bonekovrosgin kai aplike uh, uh, alla aŭskultantoj uh, poste ekavas uh, intereson pri uh, Esperanto.
0: Okay, so um I could understand a bit, I would say so some Words, um, yeah, sound familiar. And so what I could guess is like you said something um, that you uh, are happy to be here in the second episode.
1: Yes, mi joyas SDGT and la dua episodo. Yes,
0: la dua episodo. Yeah, um, and that you hope to get some interest for Esperanto. Yes, something yes, like that? yes.
1: I said in the in the in the in the end. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Something else that I didn't
1: get? Oh, actually, I don't know, I just uh, (laughs) just talked. (laughs) I'd I'd have to listen. (laughs) Okay,
0: Okay, um, yeah, so maybe a few words about you in English. So, um, who are you? Yes, who
1: am I? Yes, uh, so my my name is uh, Johannes. I'm um, from the city of Saarbrücken, uh, originally. I've, I was uh, born there and I've uh, also studied there. I'm a materials scientist or materials engineer, so my profession has nothing to do with languages. And I studied it in, um, in Saarbrücken, in Nancy Kai, and, uh, nah, uh, and <laughs> in um, Luleå. Luleå is in um, northern Sweden. Mm-hmm and so i had uh, i had to use and in sweden i, I re- actually used four languages uh, so french because i had a french roommate and i was in france before and then i used swedish english and german because there were also uh, some german students around and um then uh, well i started learning lithuanian i had a couple of friends in lithuania but then i uh, somehow realized well it's um, i can't just learn any language uh, uh, of every country that has interesting people and uh, i also in, in sweden i realized that uh, that it's it's, um, it's hard to really get to know people uh, in uh, in english because uh, well english is uh, it was used there as the uh, international language among all the exchange students but um uh, i found it uh, it very hard to to get beyond uh, a small talk level with many of them and um uh then i stumbled in some uh in some internet discussion and it was usenet at that time it was uh, well some 13 years ago i stumbled upon a a discussion about esperanto and um I, I, I knew before that it existed but uh And uh, I realized, okay, there is actually people who are using it and there is uh, a whole community behind it. And I thought, well, it might be interesting to to learn more about them. And uh, so I learned Esperanto and uh, now over the years it became uh, my everyday language.
0: Okay. So when when was that, when you first... uh that was
1: um uh, i think it was in 2002 some uh yeah well also before i'm um, uh, I, I knew that it existed uh, but uh i never really uh, had it as a, as something worth uh, studying and then uh, someone in, uh, in 2000, 2002 i think uh in 2003 i actually started learning it and uh getting to know people who use it
0: mm. Okay. And you said it's your everyday language, so can you explain that a bit?
1: Uh, well, it's uh, I'm I'm living here with, uh, with Eva who's from uh, from Slovakia and um, Esperanto is the language that uh, that we used yeah, since we get to know we got to know each other, we got to know each other on, at an uh, Esperanto event. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we uh, spoke Esperanto with each, with each other, and uh, well, there's no reason to change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so Esperanto is is our language, and also uh, uh, Julia, who's also living here, uh, she's also uh, she speaks also Esperanto, and so Esperanto is our. Uh, Our language, and um, it's also uh, um, quite—it's—it's quite a good feeling when uh, when when you live with someone or when you uh, when you deal with uh, with someone who does not speak or who hasn't has another uh, native language. uh, Then it's always I I never feel really good when I discuss uh, with uh, someone in German. and uh this person doesn't have german as a native language because mm-hmm. to this other person um, well the, the other person has to uh has to uh deal with the foreign language and to deal with the topic itself yeah so it's always uh, as a native speaker in in any discussion or uh, uh, you are in a kind of an advantage because mm. uh, uh you simply do- don't have to deal with uh, with the language issue mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, well, we we could speak German, you you uh, because Eva is uh, speaking German quite well. But uh, that would for she she would have with uh, deal with the language issue and with uh, our discussion topic at the same time. And therefore, uh, Esperanto is uh, is uh, is just. Uh, Uh, thing of justice it's uh, we both have in the same way to deal with the language issue Mm -hmm. and in the meantime we uh, well we we speak Esperanto just just fine to me it's not that uh, much of an obstacle I speak it far better than English Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, well uh, I don't know how good my English is but well the listeners might judge. (laughs) Mm.
0: Yeah so so um, does speaking Esperanto um, feel as natural as speaking German, so would you say it's like your second native language, or is that too much? Uh,
1: well, it's not. It's not a native language. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. But uh, it's. Um it's it feels natural it feels much more natural than speaking english because uh, well english as I, I read a lot of english uh, in in my professional work and also uh, i read uh, read it on the internet but i don't speak it that much sometimes okay. i write it when i'm uh, well, but uh, it's i'm not that used to speak english and uh, esperanto well as i said it's it's an everyday language and uh, well it it really feels natural and um, it's uh, also when uh, it, it sometimes happens that uh, that when I'm when I'm uh, at work uh, that I uh, that I talk to people in uh, in uh, in Esperanto when I'm um, uh, when I just say say something like like uh, thanks well, that's mm-hmm. that's a thing that uh, you don't think about what you're uh, what you're saying it just comes as a reflex and uh, and then sometimes I happen to 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 say Dankon oh yeah something like that. And uh, yeah, uh, much more when, I'm, when I when when I try to speak an, a third language like like English, as as you might have uh, might have noticed that I uh, accidentally um, talked a little bit of, of Esperanto when uh, just after after I uh, introduced myself in Esperanto. And that sometimes happens, but, um, so it uh, to me it feels really natural.
0: Do you also dream in Esperanto? Like, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, do you have like a mix of languages in your head then, or is it?
1: Well, I can't <laughs> really tell because uh, it's. Uh, um, but uh, I, I guess um, when I'm when I'm dreaming about uh, real existing persons, they uh, in my dreams talk the languages. They usually talk to me. And
0: uh, ah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I guess it's uh, something like that.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So um uh, we could also mention that you have a podcast yourself uh, in esperanto
1: yes we are we are doing uh podcasting eva eva and i and um yeah it's um it's not that new that there are uh, podcasts in, in esperanto i think the the first one started uh not really uh, that much later than uh, the whole podcasting business uh, came up there is uh, one podcast called uh Vento which is in english something like uh Warsaw uh, Wind or wind from warsaw mm-hmm. uh, so it's uh situated in, in poland and um well they started uh i don't know uh well they are now at uh they have more than a hundred um episodes and they are they have well maybe an episode a month so
2: mm-hmm. Okay. something like that
1: so they are they're around for 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 a really long time and um then there is uh radio Musaico, which is not really a podcast it's uh, it's a it's a uh, web radio so they are they have a, a, a constantly flowing a flowing uh, program mm-hmm. and um then what what we wanted to do with our podcast is we uh, wanted to talk about everything but not about Esperanto <laughs> because that's that's sometimes a problem that uh, that uh, oh not a problem but uh, it's uh, that was uh, in my opinion a little bit missing in the whole Esperanto uh, scene that they uh, should talk more about uh, all kinds of uh, topics uh, and uh, that's what we are trying to do with um, uh with uh, our podcast uh, kernpunkte which means something like a uh, core point.
0: Yeah, so like kernpunkt in german. Yes, right? yes. Um and uh I guess even before you started this uh, podcast, you also started to write songs in esperanto. Yes.
1: That's uh that's uh, this um um, somewhat malicious saying in Esperanto that uh, uh, a student who learns Esperanto after the first lesson uh, they want to reform the language and after the second lessons they write Wikipedia articles and after the third languages they write poems. And um, well, no, it's... Um, uh, I uh, I always made uh, music myself and um, but I, I wasn't into uh, that, into writing songs so I never... Uh, because, well... Uh, just never happened, and then um, when I came, uh, when I when I w- uh, um, participated in Esperanto events, uh, and I sometimes spontaneously uh, made music there, and then um, I also wanted to to play something in Esperanto. And uh, the problem is that uh, I could not just play something uh, that already existed. There is uh, a lot of music in Esperanto around. There's, uh, we can uh, link a playlist of YouTube videos or maybe we can also play something in the podcast itself. Uh, th- so there is uh, a lot of music around. But uh, if you are on a big Esperanto event... Uh, it's quite likely that the uh, actual author of the music is present. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, I was always a little bit uh, reluctant of playing uh, music uh, of an author uh, who was present. And so um, uh, I said, well, I have to uh, have my own songs. And so I started uh, writing songs. And um, uh, well, I'm... Uh, I'm also a kind of 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 a tech uh, nerd and so I uh, set up this uh uh, uh audio studio uh, basically for for um uh, recording music and um uh, and later on I um, I started using it for podcasting.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, is it like you prefer writing um, songs in Esperanto or do you also
1: write them in german or no i i i only write them in esperanto it's um, it's just uh, it's uh, i always say it's it's the cultural background i'm uh, i'm mm-hmm. i'm moving in the it's, it's, uh, it's simply my my cultural environment and um it's also uh, when i'm doing concerts i'm i'm always at an esperanto event it's uh, it's uh, never happens that i'm i'm doing concerts somewhere else because that's really um yeah, that's my cultural environment. Mm-hmm.
0: So you mentioned Esperanto events. So what, what kind of events are, are there? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, that's there. Uh, there uh, are a lot of events. Uh, um, uh, well, I can't. Uh, I have. I don't have a complete overview myself. And uh, the trouble is that there is no website that every, uh, that actually collects them all. There are uh, approaches, but well. Um, they are very different. They are uh, they are learning events, like mm-hmm. um, uh, for example the uh, summer Esperanto study. It's uh, usually uh, in Slovakia, mm-hmm. and uh, this is actually um, this is a week of uh, Esperanto studying. So you can uh, in um, um, in the morning uh, until noon you have Esperanto lessons, and uh, in the afternoon and in the evenings there's some other programs uh, sports or uh, some um uh uh, manufacturing something or singing or um, uh, excursions in uh, in the uh uh, in the region or whatever what what people uh, uh, feel like and uh, in the evening there is disco and concerts and uh well what whatever what and um So there are uh, people of all levels of Esperanto. There are the ones who are just beginning Mm -hmm. and uh, there are the ones uh, uh, who are uh, teaching themselves. Well, I'm I'm usually there as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And... um, then there are also uh, people who are coming there because just uh, just to meet friends. They are they are totally not uh, interested in the lessons. They are uh, actually they 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 sleep in the morning when when the lessons take place uh, to uh, to be in the disco in the at night. And uh, so, and those are the uh, Esperanto speakers who just attend to meet other Esperanto speakers. It's uh, their friends, it's their global, uh, uh, their global friend uh, circles. And um, so, uh, if you are a beginner or uh, someone who just uh, starting, uh, getting active in the Esperanto, uh, Esperanto community, then you can... As well as learning Esperanto in in class, you are in this Esperanto env- environment where Esperanto is actually spoken, and you uh, can uh, really feel the the Esperanto culture. All uh, all the things that Esperanto is about are present to you as a learner. Mm-hmm. This is so. This is uh, uh, one important event um, for people who are uh, learning, but also for, as I said, for people who are just uh, doing Esperanto for years. Mm-hmm. And then there are, well, uh, there is uh, the two big uh, Esperanto events that uh, need to be mentioned is the the, the Esperanto World Congress, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, always in, um, in a different country. Uh, it's, uh, well, last year it was in uh, Buenos Aires, before it was in Reykjavik and before that it was in uh, Hanoi and Vietnam, mm. and before, well, I don't remember. Maybe, uh, maybe Copenhagen. So it's it's uh, traveling around the world uh, this year. So it's uh, uh, it's um, it happens to be the uh, the hundredth um, oh, okay. uh, um, World Esperanto Congress. The first one was in uh, 1905. And then uh, it was every year except the uh, the World War years. Mm. So it's uh, now it's uh, ten years after the uh, uh, hundred, so it's hundred and ten years after the first one. And if you subtract the war years, the ten World War years, then uh, you have uh, now the hundredth. And it's in uh, in Lille in northern France, Mm -hmm. Uh, and they chose this uh, this town because. The first one was in Boulogne-sur-Mer. Uh, that's um, just a couple of kilometers west from, from Lille. Uh, but now uh, this uh, this is a small town which doesn't have uh, a, a congress facilities for okay. a, such a big congress. The first one had, uh, I think, 140 attendees. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, that's a Wikipedia question. Um, yeah. uh, and now... Um, well, they usually uh, have something uh, between a thousand and well, five thousand. Some sometimes less. Uh, in Buenos Aires, it was it was less. It was uh, seven hundred. Mm. And discussion where why is so 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 little people attend our congress. And now, well, I'm uh, I I, subscribe, I um, uh, to and I have, I'm participant number uh, eighteen hundred something. So it will be much bigger this year. So that's the uh, Esperanto World Congress and then there's the Esperanto World Youth Congress. Uh that's for um speakers who are feeling younger. Uh, well, they, uh they uh they they uh, can there are many who attend both. Uh me for example. So you and, feel young? Oh, sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, this will be in, uh, in Germany this year, in Wiesbaden, oh. yes. Okay. Uh, well, last year it was in Brazil and before it was in, uh, in Israel. It was also interesting, oh, wow. yeah, okay. in Nazareth. And um, before that it was in, yeah, also in Vietnam, um, so it's uh, if you uh, I'm I'm usually following the, the congresses and so I get to see countries that which I never I was in Cuba a couple of years ago so I never would have uh, got the idea to to visit Cuba but uh yeah that's uh, what I've seen uh, uh because of Esperanto
0: Yeah that's cool Yeah
1: and also uh, I have I have now contacts also in uh, in, in all these countries yeah I'm, um uh, I'm in, in touch with a musician from Cuba, and uh, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, and that's also cool if you yeah want to travel to a country and you know someone who lives there and can maybe... Get a place to live. Yeah, that's
1: well, that's uh, that was the the, the killer application Esperanto always had. It was (laughs) uh, the uh, so called Passporta Servo. Mm -hmm. It is something like uh, uh, like uh, like couch surfing on on (laughs) paper. It was uh, it was existed existed some something like 50 years and uh, before internet came up. And uh, it was uh, so they they uh, you would Subscribe and your address would be printed in some uh, little book and the travelers would have this book or buy this book and then they uh, they ring you up and ask if, uh, if you put them up for for a night and uh, uh, you could show them your city or whatever and um, it was. Um, well they in, in my opinion uh, they missed it uh, some 10 years ago to put it on the uh, on the internet because then uh, when couch surfing came up they were simply not fast enough to to put it on the internet they always mm. had this little paper book and um uh, so sometimes uh, sometimes uh, some uh, it happened that uh, uh, among the couchsurfing users, uh, an Esperanto group formed, uh, mm. over, uh, and and then they tried to catch up a little bit, and, and now they uh, put this passport server back on uh, 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 on the internet, and. Um, yeah that's uh that's always I, I never used it myself but uh many people do that they uh, yeah, uh for example uh they they travel by train to to China and then they stay in Kiev in in Moscow uh, Moscow in Novosibirsk and Irkutsk wherever and they always um visit esperanto speakers on the way that's yes, cool. that's possible.
0: Yes. But how do you get the addresses if they if it's not uh, on the internet?
1: Uh, it is now on the internet. No. Oh, you, uh, I think uh, it's uh, you can all, uh, also buy this little book, and if you're a subscriber yourself, uh, if you so if you are if, if you are um, if you accept people at your at your place, mm. uh, then you get the book automatically.
0: Okay, so mm. in the book there are all the ad- addresses of Adresses, all the yes. mm. people who participate. Mm. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, getting to know people from all over the world. Okay, so one one point for Esperanto. Why why Esperanto is cool? Um, so maybe we we should um, talk a bit more about Esperanto, um, and I would like to start with a bit of um, yeah classification, which is a bit um, different from the other languages that. Uh, we so you
1: mean would, the the linguistic uh, yeah. classification. Yeah. Well, yeah. the problem is I'm I'm not a linguist. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and um
0: but it, uh, it would be interesting um what yeah, how would you classify Esperanto so from your perspective?
1: Um well, it's um if you look at the vocabulary, it's um how do you say a roman language or
0: a I, I think it's romance. A
1: romance, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh Well, I think two thirds of the vocabulary uh, is coming from the, the, from the Romans' languages, so from Latin or French. There's uh, so it's it's uh, quite obviously that Zamenhof, uh, who is the inventor of Esperanto, um, uh, spoke French quite well, mm-hmm. and um, well, it's two thirds from the from the uh, Latin or French. Then uh, the other third comes from the Germanic languages, so from English, from German, mm-hmm. maybe a, bit, a little, little bit more from German, and then there are some traces of uh, Slavic languages, also Hebrew and Greek. But it's uh, you really have to know uh, these words; you, you don't stumble upon uh, upon uh, upon them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, you already mentioned that Esperanto has an inventor, so that's already kind of different from yeah most other languages that yes. uh, are around. Yeah. So um, yeah,
1: did we did we actually talk about what Esperanto is? Uh,
0: no, actually not. Maybe we could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should start by mentioning that Esperanto is a constructed language. Yes. Um, there are other terms like plant language, um, also artificial language. And there's also the term international auxiliary language. Yes. Like that's mm. the kind of yeah, motivation why mm. it was created. Um, so, uh, do you feel comfortable with any of these terms, or would you say something?
1: Uh, else? Well, I usually we say, uh, and in an Esperanto, you would say uh, "planlingvo," which, which mm-hmm. means "planned language." Mm-hmm. Uh, in German, I say "Plansprache," mm-hmm. and so that's that's uh, actually the. Um, you could say artificial language. Uh, it just sounds a little bit artificial, and uh, but uh, it's. Uh, yeah where's where's the difference uh, international auxiliary language um uh this uh, personally i don't like this term that much because um uh it somewhat implies that the language is to use for is used uh, or is to be used for a certain purpose mm-hmm and uh, that's that's just not my personal opinion mm. in my opinion esperanto is uh, to be used for any purpose uh, that someone finds it useful to use for and so it's uh, i don't say it's a language it's a language for international uh, uh, auxiliary communication it can be used for that and it's totally fine but it's not the only use case of it mm-hmm. to me okay yeah. so uh, but uh, and therefore uh, i don't use this term uh, very much but uh, so uh planned language is, uh, well, what I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And so um, the, the difference, yeah, the main difference between constructed or planned languages compared to what is uh, usually called a natural language is someone sat down and came up with the words and the rules and uh, everything related to the language. But um, yeah, maybe a bit more about uh, constructed languages because there are Esperanto is not the only one.
1: Before that, I would I would like to to sorry yeah. for interrupting, but uh, I don't like this term natural language that mm-hmm. much uh, because uh, well, it turns out that uh, that Esperanto is now uh, well involving like uh, like natural language mm-hmm. those the mechanisms how Esperanto is progressing, how Esperanto is changing as the society changes, the mechanisms are the same uh, like in natural languages. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I don't like this distinction between uh, planned language and natural language because also a planned language, which was initially planned, uh, behaves like natural language. And uh, so the distinction uh, I always make is uh, a planned language and an ethnic language. Okay. Yeah. And that's uh, that's also uh, because an ethnic language. Uh, this implies that an ethnic language uh, is comes from some ethnic, so it, mm. it brings uh, a, a certain culture with it. Mm. Whereas a planned language uh, initially doesn't have that. It it mm. this is developed after the language is rolled out. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah the uh it, it was uh, not the first uh, you sa- you say uh, you said it's not the first planned language um uh yeah but actually I'm not that familiar with uh, with uh, w- uh, which planned languages are w- were before there was this solresol uh, Sol, uh, yeah I've it, heard uh, about but that but I don't know the, that much about solresol Sol. Uh, there was this uh, language called uh, or the all Actually, is in this language uh, called Volapük, mm-hmm. uh, which was invented by um, by some uh, Mr. Schleier? He was actually the grand uh, grand grandfather. I don't know how many grands uh, <laughs> the grandfather of uh, of Hans Martin Schleier. That's this uh, uh, that's this. Uh, this um, um this industry um industry representative uh who was kidnapped and killed by the red army fraction in in, in germany in, in the 70s and uh, now here in stuttgart uh, they have this um uh, this uh, uh this uh, event location the hans martin Halle. Mm-hmm. and so his grand uh, grand grandfather uh, uh, invented this language uh, and uh, it actually had the same uh, the same goal like Esperanto to be an international auxiliary language, and um, but it never really uh, was really used. There were at that time it was a little bit before Esperanto, maybe ten years before Esperanto came up. There were um, this uh, world language clubs all over the place who tried to implement uh, a real uh, uh, community of speakers or to actually teach and use wolapük But, um, uh, well, there's one uh, interesting uh, thing about uh, the difference between wolapük and Esperanto. It's one of the big uh, uh, criticisms against Esperanto is that uh, the vocabulary is uh, Eurocentric, well, as I said, it's uh, basically uh, Romans and uh, Germanic languages. And uh, is has a different approach. Uh, uh, he also used, um, well, roots of uh, the European languages, but um, uh, he just changed the, the uh, roots of the words in a way that you can't uh, figure them out. So uh, also Volapük, I think it means a word language. You hear this "vol," which uh, is somewhat what related to world or "welt." Uh, this is the "vol" in Volapük, and "pük" is um, uh, language. I don't know where it comes from. And uh, the thing is, uh, it might be a little bit more just if uh, if you uh, give the same difficulties to anyone who, who's learning the language. But uh, the problem was in the end that uh, nobody really got to speak it. There, it was just. Too difficult to learn from from paper, whereas Esperanto—it's uh, uh, even if you have no nobody to talk to. If, even if you, you imagine uh, it's uh, it's uh, eighteen hundred eighty-seven, and you uh, you stumble upon a book in a bookshop uh, which which says uh, international language, and you start learning a constructed language. You have nobody to talk to the language. There's no internet, no telephone, nothing, mm. no radio, nothing. <laughs> And uh, you are to learn and teach a language uh, which you never heard, and uh, uh, you have don't have any reference. And then it's really, really helpful if you at least um, know languages which have a similar vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And therefore, all these language uh, uh, world language clubs that uh, tried to to speak Wallapuk before, they switched to Esperanto because there uh, they actually could learn it quite easily. And then they could uh, communicate with each other, and then uh, there was this uh, community of uh, of speakers coming up, and uh, therefore um, uh, Esperanto was uh, much more successful in in the beginning. And um, there are also some uh, some political reasons because Zamenhof, um, uh, 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 who invented Esperanto, he uh, he didn't like to be called the inventor because he said I'm uh, I'm the um initiator hmm. yeah and he it just uh it's it's quite quite uh, quite interesting because he uh, he used this uh, what you uh, today would call the the open source approach yeah. uh, he he said well this is the state i i uh, i made it uh now it's up to the community to use it and uh, hmm. uh he always let the community decide uh, how esperanto is to be treated and uh, I have here a book in my in my bookshelf, which is uh, a reprint of the first Esperanto uh, newspaper that existed. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this is uh, this is quite funny because you can lead, read it like uh, you read uh, a blog today. You read in one. Um, Issue. You read uh, an article, and then you read comments by the readers in the uh, in the articles uh, uh, that that came in the in the issues that came after this, uh, and there was always a month or so in between. But uh, you can now read them uh, like a blog article with comments. Yeah, and, cool. um, uh, well, there it turns out that Esperanto was very o- uh, that Zamenhof uh, was very open to criticism, and he said, "Well, if you we, we can talk about changes, we can talk about reforms, and." Uh, everything uh, is possible and he was very uh, open-minded uh, whereas Schleier said well I'm the uh, the the boss of the language and what I say is uh, that's the law and uh, so uh, it turned out that the Esperanto model was uh, was far more ac- attractive to actual speakers and so there were um, many more speakers coming up there was uh, a couple of years after the first book in Esperanto, uh, there was the first actual, uh, well, living um, uh, speaker community.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess this is um, yeah what you mentioned uh, in the beginning, that this boundary or this distinction between constructed and natural or ethnic languages is somehow, um, yeah, is not so easy to make, so um, I guess you can say, it's constructed because, yeah, there was uh, the initiator, not the inventor, <laughs> um, who, who um, came up with it. And um, But, um, yeah, because he made it uh, open source uh, and the, the speaker actually used it mm-hmm. and kind of evolved away from the original um, language, and it's also a bit of a paradox um, because um, so the approach that uh, Johann Martin Schleyer had with his language, like saying, "This is my language and it may not be changed," um, it keeps people from actually using it, mm. and that's why it didn't really come alive, so to yeah. say. And uh, on the other hand, if if you say, "Well, it's it's your language, you do what you want," then it may not be. Uh, It may not stay as you originally Mm -hmm. thought, uh, you or Mm. planned it to be, but then it's uh, you. You have a chance that it's actually used. Yeah,
1: it would. uh, That's uh, that's also an interesting interesting point because that you can actually read in this uh, in this uh, uh, paper I uh, I just mentioned. Uh, there were a lot of criticism uh, against Esperanto, which uh, things that people didn't like about Esperanto. And then Zamenhof, well, Zamenhof was not a linguist; he was an mm. uh, uh, an, an eye doctor actually. Mm. So he, he studied medicine, and uh, but he was uh, some something like a language geek. I think his uh, his native language was uh, was Yiddish. Mm and he lived in uh, well uh, Białystok, which is today it's polish and at that time it was russia and but well uh, what uh, what he did uh, he reacted uh, to this criticism and said well uh i can uh, i can come up with uh, something like today you would call it esperanto do uh, esperanto 2.0 so he mm-hmm. just uh, applied this uh, uh, criticism in into into some reformed esperanto and then he said, "Well, all the subscribers to this paper should um, uh, should vote whether to use this Esperanto 2.0 or should we stick to the original Esperanto." And when we are decided about that, then we don't talk about uh, reformation anymore. Because if we are every year discussing ref- reformation reforms, and uh, if you if we are uh, yeah, changing the language all the time, then it would never get stable, and and people would not learn it. And uh, then uh, the language community at that time decided to stick to the original Esperanto, and then they wrote this uh, this uh, book which I have here, the Fundamento, the f- uh, the fundamental of uh, Esperanto, and that's uh, that's actually everything that exists that really fixes what Esperanto is. Uh, so if you if you're arguing about uh, some Esperanto grammar and you find an example in this book then you are right by <laughs> okay. definition right okay. defi- that's the definition and um, well this book is uh, in I don't know how many pages it has it's uh, it's in uh, it's hard to judge because it's in five languages uh, there are Esperanto grammar uh, that are much much bigger there are Esperanto dictionaries uh, like the uh, Plena illustrita wataro which is uh, really big like a uh, uh, dictionary has to be and uh, mm-hmm. they um, added a lot of stuff uh, but uh, this is um, uh, not uh, really official because the definition is all is is only uh, this uh, fundamental there is uh, there is this organization called Academy of Esperanto, and they also give recommendations on which new words to use. Or, uh, but they uh, also say they are, um, they are, they are what's it in English descriptive? Uh, they are not, yeah, uh, yeah, they are just describing what uh, mm. the actual used language is like, they are not, uh, they're not, uh, yeah, they are not prescriptive, yes. Mm and uh so uh that's uh so there is a lot of free, of, of free space for the language to actually grow to uh, to uh, involve
0: mm-hmm. yeah so so we are already deep in the yeah history and f- also a bit the philosophical questions um but uh, I would like to back up a bit because so you mentioned um Volapük as mm. another example of a Plant language, which uh, came up around the same time as Esperanto. A mm. couple of years um, before, yes. mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, but in fact, um, there have been um, efforts of constructing a language uh, long before. Mm. So there were these um, philosophical languages, mm. um, which I guess the, the ultimate goal was to create like the perfect language where you can express. All the ideas in the world in a pure way and um, mm-hmm. and combine them by logic, um, to, yeah, to get um, bigger ideas. Something like that. I think they are even weirder than um, uh, other efforts of uh, uh, creating a language. Um, and so the difference, or the yeah, the main difference between such languages and Esperanto is that um, they um, invent or the creators invented the vocabulary directly without um, referring to other languages mm-hmm. that already exist. So that uh, is um, a term for, for this kind of uh, languages is a priori languages and um, uh, other examples f- uh, for such languages are uh, Klingon and Quenya uh, and Sindarin from uh, Tolkien. And a more recent example is um, the Dothraki language, which is used in Game of Thrones. So like mm. uh, languages that are created in fi- four fictional universes, so to mm. say, um, and um, are also kind of popular in the fan base that these uh, novels or movies have. Um, but Usually they are not like uh, inspired by real languages, but um, are meant to be kind of uh, sound artificial or mythical um, in some way. And um, the other type uh, of uh, constructed languages is called um, a posteriori languages, um, which um, are based on existing Mm. uh languages like esperanto which uses words from french and mm. or, or um yeah kind of latin roots uh, at least and this uh, volapük that we already mentioned is somehow in between um okay so mm. it's uh, so i didn't really um have a look so i, I saw some texts in volapük they really look strange so mm. it's not like you uh if you look at esperanto and you know um uh, Indo-European language, then you for some words you can guess and get yeah, an idea exactly, of what it is, yes. and for Volapük it's like, yeah, strange uh, combinations of letters. So, and yeah, and this is somehow in between a priori and a posteriori. Um, so Esperanto is in fact the most successful constructed language because it, it has the most speakers um yeah. in the world. Yeah, by far. Um but so it's it's I guess it's quite hard to count how many people that there are in fact. Who uh speak yeah,
1: the that's um uh, that's that's really really hard to say and that's is uh it's um this is also uh, a big uh, offspring of myths because there uh, there is one study who's saying that uh, there are um, something like two or three million uh, Esperanto speakers worldwide. Well, personally, I would uh, I would doubt that it's uh, that many. But it's my my uh, my uh, guess is, which is also just a guess, is that there are maybe a thousand natives worldwide it's just I'm um, just talking about the order of magnitude mm. Don't they, or 10 to the uh, third mm. uh, um, natives then maybe 10,000 who speak it on native uh, level then 100,000 uh, who speak it regularly and fluently and maybe a million uh, who um, attended a lesson or something mm. and um uh there is uh, uh some uh, last year that there there was an, a new data point coming uh, has come up uh, which is w- probably the most reliable one uh, that came by Facebook. Uh, there's uh, three hundred fifty thousand uh, Facebook users uh, say in their profile they clicked that they speak Esperanto, uh-huh. and where, well, I guess this is the most reliable data point <laughs> that we have. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, well, something something between a hundred thousand and a million. Mm-hmm. It's this rough estimation. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that yeah, around thousand native speakers. Um, do you know someone who <laughs> actually is a native?
1: Yeah, I I know a lot of a lot of natives. Actually, uh maybe you can link uh, a video in the uh, in in the show notes because uh uh you said yesterday was the um day of uh, native language mm-hmm. and uh there uh, a group of uh, Esperanto natives made a video on that and uh you can link that it's um well it's it's basically it's uh, it's uh it happens when uh when when uh, a couple uh gets to know each other by Esperanto and they speak mm-hmm. Esperanto at home and then the children have uh well i always say uh uh, a mother's language a father's language and uh, a parents language mm-hmm. and uh maybe even a, a fourth a kindergarten language and that that's, uh, happens quite often and uh yeah i know i know native uh, uh speakers uh sometimes it's uh it's uh, it's funny because uh when i'm uh talking about other languages i speak example uh, for example um uh french or swedish mm-hmm. uh and i discuss uh, I, i'm not discussing with uh, natives about grammar because uh, they to me they they are uh, they are right because they are natives yeah uh, what they say is is correct and uh, but in um, uh, in esperanto i sometimes discuss with natives and say oh, no i know the grammar i it's, uh, look look in the grammar it's uh, it's uh, this is the way uh you uh, Esperanto speakers usually speak and uh but it ha- i have to say that it happens very very rarely that uh because usually native speakers uh, 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 speak really good Esperanto
0: mm-hmm. yeah but um so um what is a bit, bit sad, or maybe it's 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 nice. Uh, if you are a native speaker of Esperanto, you don't really have the opportunity to speak to someone in your language um, apart from your parents, um, unless. Uh,
1: well, uh, it's. Uh, mm, yeah, so you you don't speak it with your kindergarten friends usually. For but um, uh, well, I know I know natives who actually grew up with each other in a way that. Uh, they always um, met each other uh, in a vacation. There is uh, there is Esperanto events, uh, especially for families, and uh, people go there with their with their children, and uh, it's uh, they have a program which is uh, suitable for children, and so there are. Um, uh, uh i also know kids that uh, talk about their esperanto friends and they meet them uh, once twice or three times a year uh, at some uh, esperanto event somewhere and uh, so uh, also they have a kind of uh, a kind of friendship which they are developing and uh well thanks to to uh internet and modern communication facilities it's uh, quite easy to maintain uh, contact over over long distance and um yeah I, a couple of years ago i you know, i uh, talked to uh, to two girls one from um from um i think n- well i'm not sure netherlands or belgium uh, so she has uh, dutch is her second uh, native language and i think she's from belgium yeah Antwerpen yes uh, maybe i can also link it in uh, in the show notes she's talking uh, in in netherlands uh, in, and in 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 dutch and in esperanto about her biography mm-hmm. and the other girl is from uh, i also always forget from uh, uh, one of the uh, ex yugoslavia states i think from croatia and um, well they uh, are friends uh, from their uh, early childhood because uh, their par- parents always attended with them uh, the Esperanto family events and uh, they are still friends now and they are now 20-something and uh, they are still f- uh, friends and they in this way grew up with each other. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's uh, the way uh, you sp- speak to other people and uh, I was also a guest in, in Stockholm at, uh, at, a f- uh, at, f- at a friend who uh, who has uh, who speaks Esperanto to to his kids and uh, with his wife, and um, yeah, there I, mm, I I played with the kids and we spoke Esperanto just uh, like uh, it's their native language. Yeah. Hmm maybe maybe we we should mention uh, when when we talk about esperanto natives i think there is no one who has esperanto as the only native language so all the esperanto natives have all, have at least one other native language yeah otherwise often it often would be, often even yeah. two
0: yeah i guess otherwise you would have to live in a kind of yeah. yeah, that's uh, a different uh, yeah. universe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, uh, that's not possible. Mm. Because um there is no no country in which uh, Esperanto no. is spoken. Um, no, there's
1: no no uh, no country as uh, well there is uh, the UNESCO uh, uh is uh, approving Esperanto as a language. So uh you could actually use esperanto uh in uh, to communicate with some uh, united nation um mm. but it's it's what uh, it's theory well i'm uh, i'm i'm not i not uh, actually studied this uh, about esperanto because it's uh, it's not relevant for for the mm. everyday life it's also what what is what is a quite funny story is that uh, the international um, postal um, well, this uh, those are, so the association of national post uh, offices or uh, they um, agreed on esperanto to be a language because um, when you uh, uh, many years ago when you did this uh, communication by telegraphy so you dictate you would dictate words to someone and those uh, te- this text would be transmitted by some uh, ele- electronic uh, 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 technology and then uh, uh, the receiver would receive a print out of it. Um, then you, you you would pay for every single single word that you use. Mm. And so people um, uh, came up with codes so, so just to get more information into uh, into the uh, into the telegrams and then um, uh, the, it was forbidden and then you had to use a real language and uh, Esperanto was. Approved as approved as one of those uh, real languages, so this is uh, there is this kind of well official of uh, um, yeah of uh, official uh, approval of Esperanto, mm. but it's it's in the in the everyday life it's not really relevant.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, but so even even though it's not uh, like the official language of of some country. It's used, uh, or or there are people speaking Esperanto in um, about 120 countries. Maybe. So (laughs) that's what I read. Yeah. And um, so the most most speakers are in Europe, um, East Asia, and South America. Um, And I guess, yeah, it's uh, mostly Europeans, yeah, because of this. uh, indo-european vocabulary yeah,
1: it's uh it's uh well i, I actually i I'm, i don't say that this uh these figures you just you just gave are uh, are wrong but I, I just don't know it's uh it's uh because uh it's it's that's really hard to 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 estimate and um uh yeah but it's it's maybe it's uh, also my my personal experience is not there the most speakers in europe but uh, well i'm i'm located in europe so yeah. uh, most of of the people I know are from europe so it's uh yeah uh, last year i was in in South america to uh, to attend uh two big Esperanto events and uh, I was also in vietnam um and uh, I think that's also the the effect that uh uh, people f- uh, use it differently that's it's my it's my Im- impression I, I have no uh, no uh, nothing to prove that or it's just my my personal impression that people from uh, from the u.s are using it more in uh, in the, on the internet whereas europeans use it more on uh, by traveling but it's m- m- might be wrong mm. uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that mm. it's uh, i just want to say that those things are really really hard to to estimate yeah well might be
0: Mm. yeah um maybe to to kind of finish this part about or come back to this part about uh, classification um so you mentioned that um most of the words are like yeah from from latin or Mm. uh, a bit a, a bit german a bit slavic languages and so you could um ask the question whether um esperanto is an indo-european language after all because um it has these um these words from indo-european languages mm. um but uh if you look at the at the grammar at the way uh, words and sentences are um yeah formed um i i think um it's it's really different from uh from the the languages that i know so um it's an agglutinative language we will hear some examples um what that yes. means mm-hmm. and i think um there are, i'm not aware of any indo-european language that works this way um so i guess um what you could say so it's just just to guess uh, um it it looks kind of uh indo-european but um just it's just uh, the surface so uh, actually it's not it's the um, vocabulary yeah mm. and i mean um it it can't be uh, because um uh it doesn't descend from any indo-european language in mm. the sense that other uh yeah what you call ethnic languages do like uh, French and Italian um, mm. are descendants of, of Latin, but uh, they evolved there and it was, it was a really long process. Um, mm. So if you compare it to, to people, so like uh, there are also people that might look similar, but that doesn't mean that they are genetically related. Mm-hmm. So uh, for example, if you are very good friends, then you tend to... To look the same at least that's what I observed so uh, if you are friends with people you tend to have similar haircut or maybe wear similar clothes um, but still you are not genetically related and with languages it's maybe similar that um, languages that get into contact so they they exchange some words for example uh, so like last episode when we talked about Chinese um, which um, is not genetically related to Japanese, but uh, they exchange a lot of words. So some stuff is, uh, some ex- especially words um, are similar. And so I thought maybe you could say that uh, Esperanto is like a bit like the adopted child. So <laughs> it's uh, it came later um, and it's not genetically related to, to the parents or the other languages around. But uh, over time, Uh, It's still a a kind of family member. Wearing (laughs) the same clothes. (laughs) Wearing the (laughs) same clothes, and (laughs) um, and I guess it's also because there are so many people from different countries having different native languages. Um, They all, um, yeah, maybe use Esperanto a bit differently, uh, and and um, uh, give their own. maybe add some language features they have from from their um, native languages or, yeah, do you think that's like that? Uh, so, like, Swedish well, people speaking Esperanto do it a bit in a different way than German people or...
1: Well, that's, uh, uh, that's that's a tough question. Uh, the, um, well, first of all, the the uh, as you said in, in the beginning, uh, uh, the vocabulary is um, basically European, Indo-European. The grammar, well somebody said uh, uh, the grammar of Esperanto is closer to Zulu than to any European language. Mm. Uh, I can't confirm that as I don't know any Zulu. Yeah, Yeah. me neither. So, (laughs) So, but it's, uh, so just uh, to, uh, the grammar is uh, minimalistic. Uh, But, um, yeah, it's uh, interesting how uh, Esperanto is uh, involving uh, as it comes to uh, as it is spoken in other in in other um, cultural areas, it's um, well as you mentioned uh, this uh, Swedish Esperanto, and uh, well Esperanto spoken by uh, by uh, Chinese or by by uh, Asians, um, of course there are accents because uh, well mm. actually Esperanto the all the um, Phonetics of Esperanto is uh, is actually uh, set up so that there are little uh, little what's this I, I I forgot you you mentioned it in in the Chinese podcast this uh, this elements of phonetics this pho- phonemes phonemes mm-hmm. there there are little phonemes that are hard to pronounce mm-hmm. well uh, I think the the three hardest uh, to uh, to other um, to other uh, um, people is this. Uh, Uh, what is in German uh, C-H this Mm -hmm. yeah that's uh, exists in Esperanto rarely then there is uh, the H which is difficult for French people the H Mm. and then uh, there is uh, the R which is should be rolled with the tongue but no I can't do that so I use the German kind of R and then there is the uh, the R-L problem for uh, for people from uh, from China those are I think the hardest um, mm. uh, um, phonemes in uh, in Esperanto. All the others are uh, quite easily adaptable. So, but still, there are accents, and uh, there's also, uh, there's uh, uh, always this uh, this comedy that. Uh, one person is imitating all the accents from uh, from uh, from other, uh, and also the the way they talk about and uh, the the their cultural background they're coming from. It's it's sometimes quite quite funny, but um, yeah, it's um, what uh, what really rarely happens is that uh, uh, they introduce new words. There are some examples uh, for that. Uh, for example. Um, uh, Sa- uh Samenhof um well being a european he introduced to esperanto um, all the words for the um uh, for the eating facilities like knife and fork and spoon mm. they have their own esperanto words but not uh the this um uh these these uh, eating sticks what is this in english i don't know it's uh, ah, eating yeah. sticks from yeah. from uh from chopsticks, chopsticks maybe yeah. well i'm uh well there is there's is, originally there's no word for this in uh, in Esperanto but uh, because Esperanto is as you said it's uh, an agglutinative I don't know uh, agglutinative? A, a, agglutinative language uh, you can make up a word which is uh, there is a word in Esperanto for for eating uh, so to eat is in Esperanto it's manĝi and the the so the i and in the f- in the in the in the end is uh, it means infinitive, mm. and you uh, f- um, um, uh, you drop that, and then you have mange, which is the uh, root for eat, and mm. then uh, there is uh, a word for stick, which means uh, stango, like the German stange. Mm. I, uh, you say mange stango kai uh then uh you have would have this uh eating stick as i said in english or chopstick and then uh, uh, uh people from japan say, said no no it's not eating stick it sounds uh, that sounds ter- terrible we want to have our word and they said hashio mm-hmm. which is in, in japanese it's uh, something like hashi I, I don't know and uh so they they put the o on it which means uh it's a noun and so there's the the word hashio and uh, well, some people use it, some people don't, and uh, it's uh, just uh, some people say you shouldn't use it because nobody understands it, and uh, it's uh, all these kinds of discuss discussions, like um, like it's in 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 ethnic languages when new words are coming up, then uh, uh, there are new slangs coming up, and people say, well, you should use this word, nobody understands it, it's uh, and and so on uh but and and this is the same mechanisms like in in uh, in um ethnic languages some people use it some some people don't
2: mm-hmm. mm.
1: but it happens rarely that uh that there's really a new word making it uh into the worldwide everyday language
0: yeah so it's like uh i mean maybe in in the japanese esperanto community uh, uh certain words are used yes. but they might not Cross the borders to other countries. Yeah, it's uh, uh,
1: there are lots of other examples. Is uh, is food? Yeah, it's uh, well. How how would you translate the German word Laugenstange uh, into English?
0: Spätzle. Yes, uh,
1: though. Um, so uh, yeah. the, well we've given up we say uh, when, when I'm talking to, to, to my local Esperanto community here we say which means uh, 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 well this is a literal translation to Laugenstange you don't know in English uh but uh, if you say that then uh it it could be some uh, some uh, some stick to to work with uh, chemicals and uh, uh oh, yeah <laughs> yes but uh, this uh, this is uh y- you can't translate those that's uh, yeah. and then you make up um uh you make up a word and if uh, and uh, when pe- when someone doesn't come doesn't understand you would have to explain it's yeah. uh, y- yeah. like in any language i don't know that there, there's uh, i'm i'm not i'm sure there's no a real English word for um, uh, for for Laugenstange, and so you would have to explain it. Oh, yeah. Same with Apfelschorle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 apples apples price, uh, I don't know. It's uh, there is an English I'm expression for it, uh, but uh, well, um, uh, though this is always a problem, and uh, but uh, uh, this uh, is this problem is actually considered to. Been, has, has, it has no solution because uh, yeah. you, uh, it's a language and not, 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 a, not a culture which is to be spread uh, mm. among the world. So there is, it's not just supposed to be that uh, every, everywhere the same dishes are eaten, but uh, yeah. there are supposed to be these uh, cultural differences and you have to use language somehow to explain that. And so you don't have a word for everything yeah. for those cultural things.
0: Yeah. So would you say that these different like culture culture based uh versions of Esperanto are could be considered different dialects of Esperanto?
1: Um, um no, I don't think uh they are they are really dialects because um uh, you, uh, a dialect uh, you hear uh, if, if somebody speaks a dialect you hear this immediately after the first sentence. Mm-hmm and uh these different versions of esperanto they are not uh they are it's just just very very rare single expressions that are coming up to uh, because they are needed to describe a certain notion which is only existing in a certain culture mm. so um and only if you talk about that uh, then you actually uh, uh, remark mm. that uh, or notice that uh they are talking this version of Esperanto. Well, you would remark actually the the, the accent that the people mm. have, but um, it's it's not like uh, like a dialect that they have there. Um, there's another mechanism: this uh, uh, the tendency that uh, that uh, speakers of languages uh sometimes have have the tendency that uh, they they want to to show that they are a subgroup of the language speakers like uh young people they have yeah. always their youth slang mm. and so does uh, so do young esperanto speakers they ha- they uh, make up their uh, their slang and then mm. they um use it just to show well we are uh, belong to uh, belong to the, the to the uh subgroup of of young speakers or of somewhat cool speakers mm-hmm. or, i don't know they uh, they they make up their their subgroup and they also show this by um the uh, language features they make up for themselves yeah mm-hmm. that's that happens
0: yeah that, that's interesting because um that's somehow against um the original goal of samenhof or that uh, uh, well
1: the original goal of samenhof um it's um yeah what it's it's uh, I, I don't know whether we, uh, you want to go into that because it's uh, it's really a, a really wide wide uh, uh, topic. Uh, uh, what is what Esperanto is actually used for? Uh, there is this uh, original goal of of Zamenhof that uh, said we need that Esperanto to be a neutral language so that uh, uh, we can communicate in a just way and uh, so everyone learns Esperanto and everyone has Esperanto as a second language and uh so uh the whole world can communi- communicate and then a couple of years after there were the first na- natives of esperanto so um well uh, <laughs> 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 <Ta-da>! <laughs> yes ka- and um yeah it's it, uh, this was uh, well the, the original idea of esperanto and then um uh, after the the first world war uh, there uh, uh then uh, all over the world or all over Europe, um, the communist group said, well, now it's time for communism. And uh, uh, some said, yeah, and Esperanto will be the uh, um, language of the proletarians. Mm. And they didn't care about uh, the original idea of Esperanto that it uh, helps communicating. They just wanted to use Esperanto to, uh, to, make, uh, to uh, unify uh, the international group of, of the working class. Was a different approach, and then uh, uh, there's now there's a third approach from the uh, which came up in in 1980. In the uh, it was uh, uh, it's called uh, Raumism or uh, Raumismo in Esperanto. Uh, it's uh, it, because it uh, it's, it comes from the manifesto of Rauma. Rauma is a little uh, town in Finland, mm-hmm. and uh, in 1980 or something. Uh, 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 this uh, town hosted the um, international uh, Esperanto youth congress, and they said, "Well, we no longer fight to uh, for Esperanto to be the world or you know, international auxiliary language. We just use Esperanto. It's mm-hmm. just it's part of our our life. It's part of our culture." And um, they uh, uh, they. Um, uh they've written down in their manifesto uh, a completely uh, n- uh new uh goal of esperanto which is um yeah they and uh then the extra uh, the the extreme form of this romism says that uh, esperanto is uh, an ethnic group themselves mm-hmm. but it's uh, it, mm-hmm. this is though this is the whole spectrum from uh, that uh, you encounter when you are doing esperanto there are mm-hmm. those who say that esperanto should be an international language uh, just to uh, to facilitate the international communication and then there is uh, the other uh, extreme uh, of the spectrum is esperanto is a, is an uh, its own ethnic group yeah. and then well uh, the actual speakers are somewhere in between and uh, there's a place for everyone but it's that's the uh, that's the spectrum that yeah. uh, esperanto needs to cover somehow yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so maybe we could talk a bit about the um the background of uh, Samenhof so why he ha- felt this urge that we need an international auxiliary language
1: yeah there's uh, this uh, this version that uh, that you usually hear um it's it's uh, also hard to prove uh, it's um uh, so samenhof was was, uh, was uh, from his ethnos as I guess that uh, he considers him th- himself uh, to be Jewish, as mm-hmm. his uh, first uh, ethnic uh, uh, group that he belonged to. So his native language was probably Jewish, and uh, uh, Yiddish. Uh, uh, yes, Yiddish. Uh, yeah. oh, sorry, Yiddish. And uh, so uh, he lived in uh, in Piavistok, which is now in uh, in uh, eastern Poland. Mm-hmm. It was at that time; it was uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. and what well, he studied in uh, moscow and then uh, uh, and he, after his studies he went to warsaw mm-hmm. so um he uh, also spoke polish and russian and uh, german and french and
0: uh, uh hebrew latin greek yes. so he <laughs> no. was he was a language geek <laughs> and but yeah.
1: uh, his first language was yiddish uh, which was always on everywhere a minority language mm. And uh, so, if your first language is a minority language, then you have uh, this what what uh, I, I described in the beginning. If you're communicating with officials, then you have to uh, deal with the topic you're talking about and mm. with the language issue. And then, uh, well, he said. In Bielowieza, where, uh, where he lived in his childhood, and uh, there was Russian; there was it was the official language. But in Bielowieza, there were all kinds of people. It was, it's 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 a multicultural town uh, up to now. There are uh, there are Muslims, there are Jews, there are Germans, there are uh, Lithuanians, there are uh, Poles, there are Russians. There, are I don't know. It's 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 a real mixture of of cultures. And there was one ethnic group, uh, uh, the Russians, they had the advantage that Russian was the official language and Mm -hmm. no other language was official. And at that time, uh, um, uh, the governments didn't care about minority language. Now This changed slightly, it's uh, uh, usually minority language are supported somehow, but at that time… uh, the government wanted to avoid that national language uh, uh, become strong because uh, then it, it makes it uh, it's it's harder to to rule a country when uh, when the when the people don't accept your language and uh, so they they try to to make r- uh, the Russian the one and only language and then uh, Samenov said well uh, we need to change that uh, it's uh, w- it's okay that we have one language uh, of uh, which might be the government language but it needs to be n- neutral yeah. it's, it's 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 it should not be uh, a language of one ethnic group and so he uh, Came up with Esperanto. This is the uh, well, I'd say the official version. Okay. Yeah.
0: And what's the in- <laughs> unofficial law? Uh,
1: well, I uh, what what I heard is um, that it was also the time of, of uh, Zionism when uh, when the ideas came up that uh, that Jews need their own country, mm-hmm. and and Zamenhof said, well, uh, it's uh, uh, had he had a dif- different approach that. Um, uh, not uh the jews need their own country but uh that uh, every every ethnic group should have a place at every place uh, mm. in, in the world so mm-hmm. uh, you could live everywhere uh, as there's one language which is uh, spoken by uh, which is understood or could be used everywhere but you still could make up your ethnic group and speak your ethnic languages uh, uh, ethnic language at at every place and uh, so this was uh, the Dream of, uh, of of Samenhof, which is, well, I heard this from uh, at one seminar I attended. I don't know wh- whether this yeah. is true. Maybe uh, you get a lot of uh, negative comments on, on what I say here. So sorry <laughs> about that. It's, uh, well, I can't confirm that. It's mm. it's just another version I heard.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I read it in Wikipedia, this first version. Yeah, this is yeah. the common version that,
1: yeah. you, that you hear.
0: So yeah, okay. So however, he had this crazy idea to create his own language. And um, he uh, already started to develop it when he was in school. So quite, quite young.
1: Yeah, he was a language geek. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. I guess so. And then uh, in 1887, he um, published the first Esperanto Grammar or yeah, uh, the first book. Yeah, I think it was more a dictionary. Like
1: it was, it was, uh, it was a book to teach the language. I I've never seen it. Uh, uh well, I, I once I tried to 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 search it in the in the net, but it's uh I don't know whether it's available somewhere. It should hmm. be, but uh,
0: yeah, somewhere it yeah. has to be somewhere. And this is the point where I'm interrupting myself to finish this first episode on Esperanto. Part two will be published in a few days. By the way, if you want to make sure that you won't miss the next episode, you can subscribe to the RSS feed of this podcast, if you haven't done so already. If you go to the podcast's website, languagerule.es, you can push the big subscribe button on the right hand side and get guided through the subscription process with the podcast app of your choice if you want to subscribe on itunes you can also find the podcast there just search for language rules and you can also leave a review there i would also like to hear what you think about having several episodes about one and the same language so if you like you could also leave a comment on the podcast website so That's it for part one on Esperanto. Thanks a lot for listening and bye bye.